Enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast. The vault of startling monster horror tales of terror. <laughs> Hello, my little horror hood rats. I know it's it's frustrating to always listen to me, blah blah blah, when you want to get right to the shit. Oh, don't worry. I will take you to the shit. And I'm here to tell you, it's some good shit. You're about to be knee-deep in some shit. And whatever anybody says, you can't say that I never gave you shit. Okay, here we are. Take a look at this shit. What? You realize I live in a sewer, right? I, I don't know. It's it's pretty good shit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. I am one of your hosts, Mr. Luke Jack, and I'd like to thank everyone for downloading and listening to the show today. But uh, if I'm taking it to the streets, I can't go alone, so I've got to have my crew here with me. And left to right across your podcast dial, we've got my brother, Mr. Jason Giaconetti. The shit! You motherfucker! Oh. We're going to be knee-deep in this <laughs> shit. You're stealing all the love. I've got the shit. <laughs> so trust me, we all have the exact same lead in the same words in our in our line, and they all mean different things. Yep. So. All right. And you heard him there, the hair metal hero, Chris Tyler. <laughs> I can't find my quote. <laughs> you sons of bitches. This isn't a funeral home. It's not the Terra Dome. Welcome to hell, motherfuckers. It's the Terradome. This ain't no, this ain't the Terradome either. And rounding out our crew is Two True Freaks OG, Mr. Chris Honeywell. This shit ain't over, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) The other one I had was this, just in case someone else took the shit. Um, After you killed Crazy K, a few of his boys killed you. I guess you didn't make it. (laughs) And then, of course, the the Terradome. This ain't no funeral home. This ain't even the Terror Dome. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Gotta... So if, if if you can't guess what we're saying from that, then you might be a little young because the just the shit is 
you know. Ah, yes. The shit. We are... It's the shit. And so, yeah, it is in fact the shit because, and you know, who was it? One of our listeners said we don't curse enough. Yeah. Well, fuck that shit. Welcome, uh, to, the but, uh, welcome to this episode. Yeah, welcome yeah. to this show. So we are, of course, talking such a way back machine to 1995 for a horror <laughs> rack hanger on by the name of Tales from the Hood. All right. And uh, this film. Oh my gosh, I remember seeing so many commercials and so much advertisement for this film and just being kind of fascinated by it. And then not obviously getting a chance to see it in the theater, but then seeing it on uh, on home video and on HBO and immediately falling in love with it. And home video especially because I have very distinct memories of the VHS box for this with the, uh, the skull wearing the yeah. sunglasses with the gold tooth. And it's yeah. a foil cover, so it's shiny when you turn it into the light, where nightmares and reality meet on the street. Chill or be chilled. And uh, hot damn, this, this movie has a lot going for it, so I'm oh, just yeah. going to just open it up to, to everybody here rather than go on. This is my so, first time seeing it, and, it oh. and I fucking loved it. I loved it, yep. Me too. So, so the thing is, this is one of the movies, that, I mean, Luke and I have seen um, there's movies that we were talking about this off air. Uh, Luke and I, there's movies that we've talked to people about. People are like, oh, wait, have you ever seen like, what's a good recommendation? And it's hard to recommend movies to people sometimes because people say they like things, but they don't really like things. You know, they, they like, they like the cookie cutter safe stuff. When you got somebody who likes things that are maybe not, again, I wish I could say that tales for the hood, which I love is for everyone, but it's not, you have to understand the time in which it was made, who's making it, who's in it, who's what, what's behind it. Like this movie, the source material. <laughs> this yeah. movie that is one hundred percent EC Comics, Tales from the Crypt kind of stuff. Yeah. It is also maybe more pure than some of the like modern like re, yeah. you know, even maybe oh, even yeah. more pure than like Creep Show and its depiction yes. of EC ness. Yes, so this definitely movie hits on all the EC stuff that we grew up loving in comic books. But what it also touched on was the fact that um, your director is, Rust is uh, Rusty Condiff, and, yep. um, and the other writer with Rusty Condiff is Darren Scott. Yep. Now, if the team Darren Scott doesn't ring a bell to you, you might have forgotten about a little movie called Menace to Society that he produced yep. and was involved with and whatever. And for those of you who are young, it's okay. Menace to Society was extremely controversial. Um, so were movies like Boys in the Hood, uh, Juice, um, you know, even before that was Do the there Right Thing. There was a thing. whole string of them. I think Colors right. was the one that really Colors. like sort of kicked it off. Like, yeah. But Colors was like more mainstream. It was like a Dennis yes. Hopper, you know, and the, and 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 all those ones were more like you know, not low, but like, you know, younger, more hungry directors. And they were, and, and Dennis Hopper isn't exactly like, you know, a guy with his ear to the street in the 90s, you know, in black yeah. culture in the streets in the 90s. So, well, the thing is, when you look at like Boys in the Hood, and I, I don't want to get us off topic here, but like you look at Boys in the Hood, Cuba Gooding Jr., Lawrence Fishburne, Ice Cube, but it's a John Singleton movie. And John Singleton has gone on to be like, I mean, John Singleton was an up and coming hot director or stuff like that. Yeah. And then you look at like, I mean, obviously um, do the right thing, which is 
you know, Spike Lee. I mean, that right. movie literally split split people. When you look at Menace to Society, the problem with, with that movie, not to say a problem, is that it really portrayed things in a in a way that um people looked at it like, okay, like like this seems really real. And they tried as hard as they could to make sure that what you were getting and, and that's 93. Menace Society is 93. And there's not, there's no like huge names in that. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson's in it, but he's not like I he's mean, not the Samuel main... L. Jackson yet. Yeah, well, I mean, the biggest, well, I mean, the biggest star in that's Jada Pinkett, really. Yeah. You know? She wasn't even a star yet. Really. She wasn't a star yet, yeah. right. And the whole thing is with that, it's, it's the Hughes brothers made Menace of Society. Now, the Hughes brothers would go on to become like major, major directors. I mean, they, 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 the thing is these movies were their, were their, their, you know, kind of their entry in. And what you got was a movie that really scared people for how realistic was this thing looking? Is this really what we like, is this how the streets really are? And then we get to now at this point in 95, no 90. Yeah. Once years, 95. Yeah. Um, we're in a post Candyman world. Right, is Candyman's ninety four, right or ninety three? Ninety ninety. Yeah, Candyman's ninety two. I think ninety two. Excuse me. Yeah. So you're in that. So you're in a horror world that's now post Candyman coming out, which again was made by a bunch of white people. Um, and then you're post Boys in the Hood. You're post Juice. You're post Menace Society. And now here is horror that is not often portrayed in the hood. Right. And this right. movie opens. Like it's a drug dealing hood gang movie. Yeah, which, like the, the movies of the time. Yeah, yeah. It, but it looks and, like those kind of things. And to be very honest, and the thing, the thing about, and the thing about this is, so okay, so Jay, you mentioned uh, "Do the Right Thing," directed by Spike mm-hmm. Lee. Okay, this movie, the pr- production company is Forty Acres and a Mule Filmworks. That's yep. Spike Lee's yep. production house, right? Yep. Spike Lee's the executive producer of this film. Um, on the DVD, there's a little featurette, right? And yep. Spike Lee is on there hyping it up, which I thought was fantastic, you yeah. know. Um, but there's they they talk with Darren Scott, and he makes a, a he makes a point. He said that by the time they were making Tales from the Hood, a lot of the stuff for horror are in the black community was like a spoof. It was almost like a comedy, mm-hmm. and yep. it was. And so they said that we wanted something that was legitimately scary. Yeah. And then the other thing was, I think it was a, a thought with, with Rusty Condiff, where he said that, you know, it, it wasn't just going to be, we're here to scare you. We were going to make this about something. And this is what the aboutness of this movie is, right? Is that it is, yes, it is, it is a traditional, you know, horror anthology, EC Comics inspired horror anthology right down to having a horror host and a twist ending in the, in the, the, uh, you know, the, the framing sequence and all that. But each one of these is also about something. And it's, it, yeah. that is why this hits because I mean, I'll be honest, the first time you go to watch this, at least the first time for me, I'm like, okay, it's a black version of tales from the crypt. And I love the amicus tales from the crypt. I love the amicus, the vault of horror, all the other anthology ones that they made. I love those. movies. Those are horror comfort food for me. You know, and just like Jay, you know, you and dad, you've been talking about the dark room over on bots, bugs yeah. and babes. And that's led to larger discussions about the night gallery and the twilight zone and all the other syndicated, uh, you know, science fiction and, and uh, fantasy series like that. And those, I like those, I like anthologies, but then going into this and as 
a 15 year I'll be I'll be completely frank, okay? As a 15-year-old white kid in America in 1995 seeing this movie, okay? This friggin' floored me, right? Because yeah, I had I had seen some of those uh, other films we had talked about, but I hadn't seen you know, uh, Boys in the Hood. I hadn't, you know, at 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 twelve, I hadn't freaking seen that. So, the, but this depiction of, like they say, your worst nightmares meet on the street, right? So, this depiction of it in a horror context, it it in some ways makes it more palatable, and in some ways makes it infinitely harsher, right? Taking that horrible type of scenario and then twisting it just enough to make it into a horror setting. And it's so powerful in that way, right? Well, yeah. Like, like you said, it's 1995. This is 1995, right? Yeah, this is yeah. that mid-90s right there. Well, in, in those, those movies that were coming out, they were like their power, the serious ones, the ones that were taking stuff seriously, were their power came from them being realistic and also new, more nuanced, you know, and not, you know... Uh, you know, like a, a like a straightforward black and white TV movie of the week sort of, you know, racial moral story or or something like that, or you know, ripped from the headline story. They were, but this, I mean, this has what redneck cops, child abuse, like David Duke slash Nazis, gangs, Dang, slavery, yeah. all tied up in it. But they're, you know, they're handle each story is handled with a sledgehammer as it should be. As yeah. it's, it's, you know, oh, here's this guy. He's basically David Duke. As a matter of fact, we'll just name him Duke. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we don't have to, you know, we, we're going to show he's a bad guy because you got to get riled up against him. But, yeah, there's not, he's just going to get it. <laughs> he's going to show his yeah. ass and then he's going to get it. And going to fuck around and find out, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I, I will say, yes. I will say this. Okay. I'm, I'm even given what I just said about being a 15 year old white kid watching this movie in 1995 America, I'm still me. Right. So my first thought is with KKK comeuppance, which is the, uh, the, the, um, which the third I think segment. they should have spelled just, Done K K K, and then up and take it. Leave, left the C off and just put yeah. up, come up. It's but oh. either way. But my but my first thought when seeing it, you know, Look, one second, one second. Okay. The reason why that that segment's called K K K comeuppance, it's reference to another movie, um, where where Rusty Condoff's parents. That's the movie they both were in when they met. And then they got married after it. Oh. That's why there. It's reference exactly. And his and ah. I say his parents are in it. Rusty Condiff's yes. dad plays the preacher yes. at the funeral. Yes. <laughs> and his mom plays. Oh, I forget who she plays, but she's in this movie too. Yes, hundred percent. And so, the story about his dad is actually pretty funny because I was reading this interview Mrs. and he said Cop. that his, well, his mom plays Mrs. Cobbs. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Well, the yeah, his sorry. dad who plays the preacher, he he had like a whole like eulogy written out. He's like, Dad, you can't, you can't do all this. He's like, Oh, I can do this. I can do this. And he got in front of the cameras, and he like froze up, and he like didn't, got real nervous. Uh, <laughs> but in any event, the, the thing about that. Okay, go ahead, Jeff. No, no. Anyway, that's on. They, they they had done movies before, but yeah. that's they had met. But that's why yeah. it's spelled exactly the same. Rusty wanted to make sure that was in there. So just go on. Sorry, Luke. Yeah. Well, I was going to say is the thing with that segment 
is that again for all the the you know the details of the story and like you say the the uh, the David Dukes uh, you know um, uh, astro not astroturfing what is it uh, analog um, my my first note is somebody call Charles Band because we've got a bunch of little uh, you know, <laughs> dolls attacking people in a big old house it's like <laughs> you know some people have a type right not good <laughs> or bad it's just a type right. So. <laughs> And this the stop motion is really good. Yeah, yeah actually, I do like the stop motion. And there and those little dolls. I mean, they're not. I mean, they're they're not crazy like the puppets from Puppet Master. They're more like actual dolls. But that that makes them even worse in a that way. That makes right? them yeah. creepier. Yeah. yeah. You kind of wish. I mean, the thing is, they. I mean, they they look like. I mean, they probably are not made of actually of carved wood because they have to have armatures and stuff to move. But they look like. Real carved wood come to yes. life. They look like and, one person carved them too, yes. and they and they look like old, fo- you know, folk art yes. and like slave yeah. art and stuff yeah. like that. So there, it's not that there isn't like history baked into this and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, the mor- the morals of the story, you know, it's yeah. the, the this movie isn't about like solving any of these issues or. No, nope, or opening your eyes to any of these issues. It's just about pure catharsis and like yeah. enjoying the the comeuppance. But the I think, other, I think say, so, the other part. Oh, go ahead, Jim. Sorry, I think that's. I just real quick. Look, I think that's why this is so much an EC comic. Yeah. An EC comic when you would read Tales from the Crypt or Vault of Horror or you know Haunt of Fear, they weren't asking you to like you know fix whatever horrible deed the they were four or five pages it, long you know it's it's about the person getting their comeuppance it's about the person you know who's you know doing this thing whatever you know like yeah it, no it, the, it's, the, it the, usually the, introduces the, this, the here's this yeah. person they're awful look at them being it, uh, they're yelling at their employee right now they need to get the, <laughs> yeah. and that's, you, you don't you don't want to be this person yeah that's the, the whole point and, yes i said this when we when i was watching i texted you guys and i said i love the effects in this movie because everything in the, at the end when he turns into Satan, it's a little CGI that for kind of early CGI, it's not great, but it's okay. Um, but literally all the physical effects in this movie still work. Now I'm watching this on the, 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 the shout factory or scream factory, excuse me. Um, they're restored Blu-ray. There is no cleaner version of this movie that I'm watching. And I mean, yes, I know what to look for, for traveling mats and I know where to look to see where the distortion would be, but the actual effects in the movie, uh, the, the, like the dolls, especially they are so tight and so good. You're like, God damn it. Like yeah. it's 1905. Yeah. Like how come they can't make shit half this good now. Cause oh, it's CG, but it's like, yeah. they literally, it, I think that the physical presence of the doll chasing all this stuff in the house, it made that story. Re- read as true. I think if yeah. those were all CG, the, the limitations made it creepier because if you'd had CGI, yeah. you could have that doll doing all sorts of things. You could have a whole bunch of dolls yeah. running around. They could be jumping, yeah. Yeah. And doing all sorts of parkour around the place. You know, and it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's why Trilogy of Terror. It's why um, Prey in Trilogy of Terror still to this day terrifies my wife and daughter. Me uh, too. Oh uh, yeah, no, it's it's scary. Kelly seriously hates. She, I put it on for Haley when they were little, and she's like, "Don't show this to her." And then what happened that night? I have the little knife under the door, and the sh- and Haley's. <laughs> she's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. 
salient point to make here not me being a dick so. oh no the I, I don't know if it was salient but uh, <laughs> all i was gonna say is he, the thing about and and but what's great about again that that third segment is that as as cool as all the dolls are and all that and, and chasing them around and um you know uh well it's um it's corbin bernson getting his right the you know um long ago you know before the last great ice age we covered the beyond right yep. and the beyond has some really crazy shit in it Right, oh, I think yeah. we can all agree on that. One of the creepiest, most effective scenes in the Beyond is when they flee the house and then all the lights come on, and the house suddenly is filled with motion and people in the house when that when the house was empty a second ago. That to me has always been an effective bit in a movie that's gruesome and over the top. The bit at the end of this, as Miss Cobbs appearing out of the mural in her rocker and holding. The you know yeah. the, the doll of of Rhodey, that yeah. is so freaking creepy, and it's yep. so effective of her just staring down Duke, and it's like, damn, I really yep. like that. And again, it's not anything that you can't you know that there's nothing special about that scene as far as an effect or or anything like that. It's just a normal scene, but the, at that point they have done such a good job of uh, manipulating our emotions. That were that I at least as a viewer am invested in that, and so when when, yeah. when that happens, it's 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 such a uh, like Jay, you said the word it's cathar or Chris said it was catharsis. It's so cathartic to see that and to see him get it at that point. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was that's what you know the second story with with Walter. That was the one where that was my comment this morning was the holy shit. Yeah, and part of it was because holy shit. David Allen Greer is fucking terrifying. Oh yeah. my god, and David Allen Greer is a bad guy. What terrifying. is that? Okay, so you also don't realize how tall and big a man David Allen Greer yeah. is. Yeah, a lot of comedy, so you don't kind of realize it as much. He's much bigger than Rusty. You should Conner. play a heavy more often because yeah. he is yeah. he is terrifying. And that well, that's it's, why it works so well. I think is because he's against type. Because yeah. even, I mean, of course, in Living Color, but even like in the Army now, and a lot, you see David Allen Greer. David Allen Greer is a funny dude. Yeah. But then yeah. you see him playing. You know, it's it's Carl, and he's he said he's the monster. It's like holy. And shit. that reveal and all they was, did is that change his was voice great. a little bit. That's yeah. all he did was change his voice a little bit, and and you know, they could they when you know in the earlier scenes where you'd see the claws coming around the door and stuff. That was right out of like a Stephen King story. You knew it was probably like uh, somebody. I honestly biggest. didn't know where it was going. I, I thought I thought it was the kid. That was how the kid remembered. So it was setting up for an abusive thing. And then I thought oh, I must be wrong. But then I didn't. Re uh, by then I hadn't completely realized that this movie isn't out to trick you or fool you or no. or or give you a, 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 a any kind. It's not about the twists at all. It's about the getting even and so and yeah. when they finally introduced him i liked that they just let him be the monster more or less you know and and yeah. not like put you know a ton of makeup on him and you know no they just did a little voice sweetening when, just, when it's just, just deepened it, yeah put a little growl in his voice and that was all you, you you wouldn't even really needed that but it just added the creepy factor well like it. that whole story is set up so well too where it's just he's doing the you know he's drawing stuff out to try to deal with it because the girl in class said well that's how you deal with stuff and then if you tear up your paper or burn it it goes away and holy fuck does that pay off well oh, yeah. not only it pays off 
But like that, like all these other sections, I mean, they're all dealing with serious stuff. This one is the most like, like, like sensitive issue, like, you know, because it's just like this is a like the like. Well, the, th- this because it's a kid. It's, it's not even a black or white thing. That's just a shared. That's just a it's human just, being. Yeah, child thing. abuse it's, is it's just not even racial at that point. It's suits. it's everybody knows somebody that had to deal with some shit yeah. like that. It's up. it's like it's like it's like a story that deals with rape or something like that. It's it's a super sensitive topic and then in the middle of it 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 breaks that tension just at the same time without while still giving you the catharsis with that shot of him squashed on the floor still still talking so it it becomes almost like a peter jackson-y comment over the top comedy you know thing at, at that point and it sort of and like and like for a little kid watching that, that must be like super satisfying because it takes all the piss out yeah. of that character and makes him into an almost darkly comedic, yeah. you know, powerless character. It's 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 super powerful while being goofy enough so it doesn't go way over the you know way over the top. Yeah, yeah. That that was the one. That was the one that really got me though. I, even the last story too with the. Yeah, the gangs. The one, the one thing I, the one thing I will add about uh, the second segment, which is called "Boys Do Get Bruised." So Rusty Condiff plays the teacher. Yep. And the teacher's name is Mr. Garvey, and I'm just going to leave it at that. So if you, if you know, you know, you know. So, (laughs) so real quick, I also want to throw in this: in some of the time, and sometimes when this was shown on television, instead of the charred remains of Carl being in the casket at the end of that segment. It's actually Walter lying in the casket. So they filmed. Oh, no, yeah. I'm saying is you that changes that story. Oh, yeah. Right? That kind of thing. He's killing. Like, okay, but like, because then you're like, wait, what the fuck? Like, I, I think the charred remains being there makes perfect sense. It, it gives you closure. It gives you hope that now they've escaped yeah. the monster. Like, you know, whatever. if it's a, a little boy laying in that coffin. That changes the whole scope oh, of that. Oh God, I would I would have hated that. Yeah, yeah. I th- yeah. I think that I think that's why they don't use it now. The problem is, again, when you're trying to show this movie on television and TV, not like it is now. Back then, they used to cut a lot more stuff. The charred corpse might have been a problem, so somehow a dead child is a better thing. <laughs> not- Jesus Christ, the tone you know. deafness of studio executives. Yeah, but, but I mean, I guarantee you, they told them to shoot those different things. Yeah. Because they, as as you know, well, you never Luke, know, right? You know, you never know what you know if it tests well. If it, what if that didn't test well? What yeah. if this tests better? You know, with an audience. So, um, but yeah, I like actually, we were saying, so, just yeah. real quick, um, yeah. this talk about the first segment. We kind of mentioned it. That's the one with the cops. Broke That's up revelation. Yeah, oh my God, it's such, and it, it's okay. So, we we were on television. Uh, at the time, you know, we had shows like I mean, the Cosby show and a different world and stuff like that. But Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which I know is a Will Smith comedy, whatever, dealt with a lot of those issues that we were seeing. That show kind of touched on hot, kind of more hot button issues than maybe Family Matters did until yeah. later on. Eventually, Family Matters did, too. But like they started touching on things that were like, you know, like. That, that could happen but they're rich like why is this happening to them 
and the, the racial profiling that is that first segment. That first segment is all about racial profiling and trying to shut up the 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 um, you know the the guy who's trying to rile up and and save he's the a, he's a he's a city councilman. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, but he's doing and he's big into church and whatever. That was stuff you heard on the news at night. Right. Like wasn't shit that like that's an over there problem. That's fucking on the news every night. Like you saw that stuff even before Rodney King and all that stuff. Like you saw that shit and then it exploded. Like when, when with the whole Rodney King thing and all that stuff, it just mushroomed. Yeah. And that segment plays the first time we saw it. I saw it years and years ago. Like Luke said, we saw it like in the, in the late nineties. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. This is right on the nose. Like that's the whole thing. You can be right on the nose and still whatever, you know, kind of, they make, you're making your point. It's still kind of mirror real life. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and the way, like, and that's, it's, uh, Wings is, um, well, Wings, Wings Hauser. Hauser. Wings Hauser, yeah. I can, I can, I, I am automatically sober. in favor of any film that has Wings Hauser and right. Michael Massey on screen together. Right. That's right. all I'm going to say. I mean, that whole thing, there's, there's so much in there. There's so much, like, that's even not being said. And you're like, God, this is kind of, for, Again, for a, a horror movie and whatever, that first segment is hits pretty hard. The zombie effects are good. They yeah. talked about um, they filmed it, and then Rusty Condiff and uh, Darren Scott were talking about how they had done the effects company had done it, and then they had to like drop it in. And then inside of him, they, when they when they rip it open at the end, it's supposed to be like it, they want it to be a crack pipe. Yeah, uh, or whatever. But then it like they put the green on it so you could see, you couldn't see it. So they had to like kind of dress it up and do whatever. And in when the needles come flying at him, because I have a hard to look. I watch people get this. It's not a problem. Needles fucking bother. Um, Me too. Yep. Yeah. I know. Exactly. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of folks like that that, yeah. for whatever reason, they're very anxious about needles, and so seeing yeah. my my friend Rhett, I mean, even in a medical setting, like watching ER. He yeah. couldn't do it couldn't if someone was oh, yeah. getting a needle stick. He's yeah. like, "Nope, I'm done." You know, no, watching videos of people getting their getting their their COVID shots on on the <laughs> news is what makes me wince. Well, you know, more about- more so than going and getting a shot myself. I mean, think <laughs> but, think of how many how many times I've had I've had needles stuck in my arms and whatever. All right, these, right. You know, right. But when a syringe comes out on screen, right. I'm just like, oh, geez, okay, I'm going to have to close my eyes. Yeah. I'm sitting there the day. They're running lines on my arms or whatever. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I mean, I don't look at it all the time, but I'm fine. Literally, the the needles come alive. I'm like, okay, okay. My arm, my <laughs> arms and legs are killing me. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Right? I'm okay when someone's got my arm and they're lining it up to put an IV in. But all of a sudden, these crack, these... um heroin needles and shit are coming off the ground which i know is coming and i'm like okay i'm it's just too much so um just so people know when they are pissing on the grave they filled up a mustard bottle and they were shooting it out it wasn't real piss <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think it was no no i know no yeah. but at the time they were like how are we going to do this they go let's just get a mustard bottle they're squeezing yes. the mustard bottle it was pretty convincing I, you know, and the thing about that, so that segment, besides the 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 finale of it, with the crucifixion, with the crucifixion on the mural, and yeah. um, it melting, like you say, after the needles and all that, 
that has a I love the twist in that too because you know Clarence who was the uh, the rookie cop the African-American cop who quit over all the crap that went down and he's the one that he's the instrument of Morehouse's vengeance right he gets every, uh, Morehouse the uh, murdered uh, city councilman he gets hit he gets Clarence because he's hearing his voice in his head constantly to get the guys there and you know, after all the cops have been killed, Clarence goes, are you satisfied now, brother? And Martin said, Morehouse says, where were you when I needed you, brother? Yep. Oh, man. That so is good. That, you know, because again, and, 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 you know, we talked about this being, being on the nose, right? That is a level of subtlety to what could have, you know, again, is a very straightforward sort of story and, and, and in, the, in the right ways. Yeah. That bit of subtlety really seals because like, yeah, you could have you could have done something, and now that's that's what that's the the albatross around your neck is that you didn't do anything. You know, and it's like and and again, it, the word brother means a lot, obviously, in this film, and it comes back in our in the last segment too. But that ooh, that is that that is the thing that as as cool as that whole uh, sequence is, and it is, and again, Wingshauer, Wingshauser, and all that, you know, gotta love it. But yeah, that 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 part. Like I said, it, it's it's a it's a nice twist, and it, it does drive it home. And again, dating back to what you guys were saying about EC Comics, that's an EC Comics ending, yes. right? Because he the it's the guy a... that could have done something but didn't gets his. And then, of course, in the, when he's in the in the asylum, yeah, <laughs> he's a what did they say? Home asylum maniac, cop killer, killed three in one night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just. I mean, it, it, and you know, the first story and the last story, are, it's it's not taking an easy way out in terms of looking at racial profiling or black on black crime, and that's the kind of thing that I don't I don't even know if you could I don't think you'd be able to do the last story today without no. people being up in arms about it, and I mean, unfortunately, it's something that you know does need to be discussed, just like every other important issue. Yeah. Um, but I just I don't I don't see how you could do that now in 2023. And even yeah, and and and, and it's tough. Even again, a film made by black filmmakers like right. this one. Well, I was gonna say if it was done now, it would have to be done by black filmmakers. You know. To... Yeah, I mean, and and you know, anytime you do a swerve on occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, I'm down for it. Like yeah, that trope just works so well, and it works extremely well in this. Context. And I like the stuff the little tells like in the hospital like the nurses are all in like rubber vinyl <laughs> yeah hot sexy nurses creepy and stuff yeah, yeah well they when when they bring crazy k in he sees them they've got people in bags and they're not body yeah. bags they're hung up on a rack and he's like and yeah he looks at it for a second in question but then they they usher him off and even even k himself when he is being subjected to dr cushing's experiments you know, he's in the little banana hammock, right? Yeah. So even he is being put on display, essentially, right? He he's yeah. part of a uh, again, and and I'm and I'm trying to be to just try and, and stick to the straight and narrow here. But what I read that is that okay, you're 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 a product again. You're you're something yeah. that people can look you over and evaluate you and and know your worth, right? right? Because it's not your worth as a person; it's your worth for what you can provide for someone. You know, but the th this one again, hardcore convert is the name of the uh, the fourth segment, and yeah, I mean, hero, hero, you're absolutely right. It'd be tough to do this. This is the one I think that 
most people, if they remember, if they only like, you know, maybe they're not a horror fan. They saw this one time. I think everybody kind of remembers this segment because this is a hard watch. It's oh, a hard yeah. watch from all the, not just the subject matter, but then all the historical imagery that is, yep. you know, of, of lynchings and, you know, young black men being killed. It, it, that's history, right? You can't deny it. It happened and it's awful. And then putting that in this context, again, it's that, you know, that, that, you know, we always say what you can imagine is infinitely worse than what we show you. Well, the real world is a lot of times infinitely worse than what we can imagine. Yeah. And, and that, that plays so much on this and drawing that connection between, you know, uh, young men being, being lynched and then young men shooting each other in the streets and yeah. the value that, you know, what value have you put on yourself? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, the last one's that's some, just some strong ass meat, man. Oof. And then Kay's defiance, right? You know, when he's confronted with all his victims and he's defiant about it. And he, at one point, I think he basically yells, Well, then what about all the people that made me? I didn't have no choice in the matter. You know, yeah. Dr. Dr. Cushing, you know, she really wants to help to help him, but Kay's unrepentant. And it's like I said, he's he's a. He's a very difficult character as your main character. And so you know he's going to get his. And he does. And, you know, <laughs> you don't... Uh, I don't know that it's cathartic when he gets his. Because it's, it's you know, just the nature no. of the story. Mm. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's the world that he's living in. It's the world that he put himself into. Well, in a way, it's funny. Because, Jay, you mentioned uh, Menace to Society. It's kind of like the end of Menace to Society, right? You know? Because he, it, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to remember the details, but it's it's remembering his, his I think it's his grandmother asking him, <coughs> "Is your wife, is your life worth living?" And as he's I, as I, he's I, dying, you start to think that yeah, my life was worth living. Yeah. So you know, McKay, McKay never comes to that conclusion. No, you no. Know? And that's that's one of the hard things about this one. And and I can honestly say, I this had to be the last story. Obviously, it ties in that they that. K is dead and that these these guys killed him and whatever, right? But the this story would not have worked in any of the other slots because this is how it has to end and then the wrap up. Yeah. yeah. It's such a fucking gut punch. It's such it's so like it's so brutal and yet so like I don't know, horrific to watch. Like it it's it it's it's powerful and disturbing. And well, this is the only story that's going to make the this is you're, you're in hell, which is like the obvious I'm the devil and you're in hell. That's the like, yeah, you know, like the 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 stereotyped ending to something like this. But yeah. if you put it at the end of that, it it just it doesn't seem it doesn't seem cheesy. You know, it doesn't seem unoriginal. It seems yeah. per, it's perfect. You there, know, there's a level there's a level of of. Of um, you know glee that you can have watching the first couple of stories, there's no glee in in the in the yeah, last. Yeah, no, story. no, it's hell. So this one's need, truly yeah. hellish. That's why you need the wrap up at the end to kind of lift because you don't want to send people out on that. But it needed to be the fourth segment because that segment is such a gut punch, and then it leads you to the end when they're all seeing themselves in their own their coffins and they're in hell. It's but it, it's it's powerful. It's, I mean, there's there's no other way to describe it. You cannot watch that and not be affected by it. Right. I don't care what who well, you are, what you've 
effective. It's the whole point. So all all uh, the other stories were like. I mean, at the end of the stories, the kids were like kind of like getting into, you know, they were kind of getting into like the crazy old Doc Smith sort of Doc Smith vibes yeah. or Titian telling them. But then the last one is like directly, you know, tied in with their life. And it's also like, yeah, it's direct, it, it's directly tied into their their thing, you know, yeah. so it's got to be that's that's when that's that's when they get knee deep in the shit yeah the yeah. shit real, real the quick shit. so rosaline cash who plays dr cushing of course yes. right this was her last film um she had passed away right after this um i, I don't know what year she died in 95 so it was right after this now many people might remember her a lot of times she did she was on um general hospital for uh, a number of episodes she was on the show the rock uh, rock she appeared in a couple episodes of, uh, or on Fresh Friends of Bel Air. She was on. Um, she was on a different world a number of times. She was the dean, right? So she had been on. Uh, she was on Two Two Seven. She's on Falcon Crest. She had done a lot of TV, thirty something stuff like that. So a lot of people at this time had known her from television. And so she again another face you recognize in this movie, in a role that's very different. I mean, she's always playing someone who's respected but here she's the doctor and she's you know like in his face about repenting about things and he's i'm not going to do it. and it's just so yeah i mean the whole the whole the movie itself as a whole to me works really well um i just want to touch on this before i forget and then because i wanted to mention the soundtrack of course because christian hero you had mentioned this before too real quick the estimated budget six million dollars that seems okay. about right. It's yep. a it was a little bigger budget than you might expect for, but ninety five that makes sense. Opening weekend just shy of four million dollars. The the uh, total gross for the movie was just under twelve. Oh man! And back in the but back in the day, doubling your That's money pretty was pretty good. good. Yeah, right? yeah. The problem is the reported worldwide gross is exactly the same as the U.S. gross. I don't nah. know this movie ever played outside the u.s and then i thought about that i don't think this movie works outside ah, the US. yeah yeah right not in 1995 for sure no. No. nowadays would want it this to go everywhere but in 1995 i don't know how well this gets received anywhere except in the u.s now with that being said um and and hero you had brought this up um the the the, the soundtrack to this movie um, now I'm, I love certain, there are certain soundtracks that are just like outstanding and they work beautifully. Like the crow soundtrack works beautifully yeah. through the whole movie, whatever this, the soundtrack in this movie, maybe not songs I had ever heard before or listened to necessarily, but God damn, they work so well. I, I was actually referring to the Christopher Young score. Like to oh, me, that the score like, is wow, magnificent. This, and, this. and I know he does a lot of good work and it's usually a lot of, Kind of similar. Did he do the score for Candyman? He might have. Hang on, I'm looking. Because it's, I mean, it's it's a it's a great soundtrack for this movie, man. Score, I should say. I I will say to to kind of bridge that the soundtrack and the score both really work in yeah. this. I yeah. think I think it's a fair statement, and. And that's the thing. You you don't necessarily think of a film like this. You don't necessarily think of the score. 
But I, I think us as all film score guys, right? We, we're a bit more prone to noticing that. And yeah. once you notice it, it, it does help quite a lot. I agree. It, it, it does, does, a, does a good job with it. Yeah. Um, on the other side, the soundtrack. So yeah. the soundtrack just, just you know, it actually, um, uh, it, it charted. Okay, it actually really? reached it, it reached oh, well, sixteen yeah. on the Billboard two hundred. Oh, yeah, it actually yeah. was number no, I one. Mean, that's the thing about uh, another another thing about movies like this during this time period is all those movies had soundtracks by either hot hot rap artists or up and coming. Yeah, and a lot of them like a lot of them the albums were bigger hits than the movies uh, yeah. sometimes you know yeah, i mean th- and I said so it actually peaked at number 16 on the billboard 200 and number nice. one on the top r&b and hip-hop album the the, the one thing i want to pull from this one track from the dark side actually performed by grave diggers oh yeah. grave diggers was okay i'm not much of a hip-hop guy i'm, I'm just i've never really have been I have some acts that I like though. Grave Diggers is one of them. They were kind of the well, yeah, the horror real, act. The they they were the horrorcore kind of pioneers. Their first album, which is called Six Feet Deep, is that may be my favorite hip hop album of all time. And uh, so yeah, them the, being the, on the, the Grave Diggers and Cypress really Hill came out, and they both had a sort of distinctly like yep. horror movie feel to them. Yeah. You know? Well, the thing is also on on the soundtrack, um, you had Wu Tang Clan on yeah. there too, and we all know Wu Tang ain't nothing to fuck with. Damn um, right. But Old Dirty Bastard was on there too. <laughs> they were. That's true. Wu Tang. I'm a Wu Tang guy, so you know I got. What I'm saying is like, uh, you were talking about having Wu Tang was hot, you know, kind of thing. Domino is on here. Uh, um, the face mob. We, was on here. Face mob is on here. Spice One is on here. You had a lot of hot for the time acts up and coming new and in and the wu-tang was kind of there grave diggers of course and old dirty bastard but man the 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 music and i think this might be why some people if they look back at this maybe don't because some people are not i don't, I don't know how to say this like i'm not a huge rap guy but there's definitely certain types of rap that i really like right um, you know, kind of thing. I mean, I was a huge Cypress Hill fan. Um, I definitely enjoyed Ice Ice Cube. Um, you know, I think Ice T is a better actor than rapper, but that's fine. Uh, you know, kind of thing like like there was there was acts I enjoyed a lot, Snoop and Dre and all that stuff, right? Kind of thing. And what you had here was music that sounded so appropriate for the street, for the hood, for the whatever you want to call it. It fits so well. And it tied the scene together well. It reminds me of, again, like we were talking about, Menace to Society, Boys in the Hood, Juice. These movies, the soundtracks were so good belly, like things like that. They tied these things together. You're like, this stuff works because it would be weird if it was like, I don't even know who, who was around the time. Like this, this, you, you don't want Metallica on this soundtrack. Right. You also don't want like LL Cool J on this right. soundtrack either. Right, right. right. Yes, yes. I mean, I I love you know I I love uh, you know uh, Fab Five Freddy. I don't think he's going to fit in necessarily no. on this. You know, or, or Sir Mix a Lot probably not a good fit for a film <laughs> of this nature. That, what I'm saying is like you had to have somebody who had more of an edge to him because this movie needed an edge, 
for its for the for the actual soundtrack, but it didn't have to be like so far afield. But I think some people who maybe were afraid of that type of music, we knew people like that. We know we we I still we, know people like that. <laughs> like, in 1995, Luke and I knew people who were afraid of any kind of rap, right? But yep. those same people were not that far removed from the satanic panic of Ozzy and, you know, whatever, all that right. stuff. Right. They're just afraid. And it's it's like, okay, it may, and, and not every, I don't, I don't like everything, but like, like when you go back and listen to like 90s music, there's, you know, you got your Snoop and your Dre, and that stuff to this nowadays, it's kind of mainstream, quote unquote. But in the back of the day, like when Dre Day would come on, people were like, oh my God, what the hell are you listening? Like, calm it down. This ain't nothing major. Or gin and juice. I mean, gin and juice is about drinking and fucking hoes and smoking weed. That's what the whole song's about. What's up, cheese down on my, you know, that's what it is, man, you know? Hey, you know, so, I, 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 I do want to say, though, in reference to Sir Mix-a-Lot, Paula oh. Jai Parker is in this movie. She is. And she is an, she is an icon of that particular character archetype. I'm just going to leave it at that. So, <laughs> so maybe, you know, Mix-a-Lot and her could have worked something out. So going to collaboration or something. I don't know. Let's just throw this here. Um, she was also in the movie Friday. Yes, she now, was. For anyone who's ever heard, or anyone who was on the uh, track team in Albany, um... We, I'm sure we have a big crossover audience with your fellow teammates. <laughs> I'm sure there's dozens of them listening right now. Yeah, there was hundreds of people I was on tracking with. If any of them are listening, I'd be shocked. But we had a watch. We, Friday was a movie we watched very, very often on the bus. In fact, someone bought a copy and brought it with them every time. The, the, we, and the only other thing we watched probably more than Friday was the actual track meet. We just were at watching it back for some fucking. <laughs> I was like, I just lived this for eight hours. I don't want to fucking watch it again. But like, Friday was much more mainstream because it's a comedy, right? I mean, kind of thing. And it's Ice Cube and yep. Chris Tucker wasn't Chris Tucker yet, but he was, you know. And then, then now he's not even Chris Tucker anymore. Um, what else? <laughs> it is. But Friday became a huge hit. I mean, Friday hit really well. And it was like the whole idea of like, you know, getting high and doing all that stuff. But she's in there too. And that's what some of the people had said back in the day when you would have these these uh, videos that come out. They tried to always get the next hot girl to be in the video. Who's oh the God. next hot? No, no. That's what they tried to do. But then all of a sudden, certain girls were really good. So you'd see them pop up again and pop up again. And then some of them became actresses. And stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? Like they got really into acting and stuff. People like, oh, that's the girl from the whoever video. That's the same girl over here. She's just wearing different dress. And it was so funny because when they talk about that stuff, and that's one of the big things. If you ever watch um, the documentary they did about the Fresh Prince of Bel Air and the specials that have come out around it and stuff, how they were trying to always get the hot new face on the thing because Will Smith was trying to get people breaks. But trying to always keep like the girls on there kind of coming through. I tell you, like there are some some of were one time and gone, other times some became stars and whatever. But like Luke said, she he was a very, you know, uh she she sissy in this movie. That's who she plays. She's yeah. the the woman who's getting beat on. Um yeah, she's, yeah, she's the mom, she's Walter's mom. Yeah, she has a very distinct 
Um, look, and nowadays she's uh, uh, one of the voices. She's Trudy Proud um, from the, the Proud family. Yeah. Oh shit! I'm yeah. I'm I'm just looking at her filmography, yeah. and yeah. let me tell you, she had a pretty good run in 1995 and 1996 because she went from being in Friday to yeah. Tales from the Hood to yeah. Don't Be a Menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. Yeah. To Spike Lee's Get on the Bus in the span of two years. That's pretty good right there. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? She's still acting. I mean, she's in Ray Donovan, Recovery Road. I mean, she's making, she's on episodes of NCIS. Oh. I have you to know? ask, is, I'm trying to remember, is Don't Be a Menace to South Central, is that the one where the woman's crying over the, the body? Oh, my baby, my baby. That ain't your baby. Yes. She, it ain't. And she throws the body down. Yes. Okay. So my my favorite scene in that movie, I'm, I'm not, not going to suffer, is when when the when the the uh, they roll up in the car and they got you know they all got their guns and um um Sean you know yeah who's who's the taller Wayne's brother Sean. it's Sean Wayne's right yeah. it's like oh, whatever and so the guy in the back seat takes out a freaking bazooka <laughs> oh. Marlon Waynes goes in the back of, he goes, oh, wait, I got you, I got you. And he's, his hair's every which way but straight and his pants are crazy. He goes into the back of the mail truck and assembles an anti-aircraft gun <laughs> and walks down at them and blows <laughs> That's the fucking greatest scene in the movie. I was dying because they showed some of that. The other, I was something I was watching the other day and I'm like, oh my God, they're going to show this scene. And I think was Kelly there? She goes, "What the fuck is this?" I go, "It's don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood." And she's like, "Are you kidding?" I'm like, "That's a movie." I go, "It's the Wayne Brothers." Oh my god, it just <laughs> Marlon was nuts. I mean, he's he was amazing on it. Like, for those of you who did who never watched in Living Color, I'm I feel bad for you. Would uh, happen, and that it's that's hard to watch that show. Not say hard to watch now. You know what they all became. You know that you know Jim Carrey became a star, and you know Damon Wayans became this, whatever. At the time, there ain't nothing like that on television. Oh, Holy nope. shit! And it didn't last that long. It only lasted a few seasons, but it was so good. Oh yeah. And, and some of the stuff to this day is still insanely funny, and some of the stuff is not so memorable. Like every every. Oh. Time well, show. you know, I mean, I, I will say so. Actually, this is this is kind of funny. A few years ago. We got a, a new guy at work. Um, he was a Citadel grad, you know, uh, played football for the Citadel. So uh, he's a big dude. I mean, he was a defensive lineman for the Citadel. He's a big, scary-looking dude, right? Yeah. And uh, and he he had discovered In Living Color in reruns, right? Because he was too young to watch it the first time. So we were talking about In Living Color on a, on a drive. and uh, And I told him that, you know, the great moments in black history talk about david allen greer there you go great moments yes. in black history yes. and my favorite great moments in black history is about the guy who invented self-service gas and he had never heard of that one and i said yeah it's it's a it's a, a, a gas station in the deep south in the middle of summer and it's really hot and the guy put in you know, the, the black attendant sitting there and he's mopping his head it's so hot and the the guy pulls up the white guy goes boy put your gas in put gas in my car man get it your damn self <laughs> Yeah, and then he's got a sign that says, "Get it, your damn self-service." Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, it's, I love it's, "Get it, your damn self-service." It is hard sometimes to describe this to people. If people, you know, again, if you weren't there, you didn't see it and stuff. There are so many things that were, yeah, 
So yeah, it, it's of the time, right? Yeah, that's yeah. What they, they were and, talking, and, about and it's you know, it, and the the culture it was, when was Mary, different with, then. With children was at its peak. Fox, Fox like Fox comedies were just sort like but not, not in the Fox yeah. network I mean, was just with children, sort of peaking. In living color, the early early Simpsons. Simpsons. I mean, that was that was yeah. counterculture, man. It was counterculture yeah. in prime time. There was weird stuff like the Gary Shandling show was on there that was like early form of like meta yeah. self referential stuff like 10, 15 years ahead of its time. Hail Hydra. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, that every, you know, I mean, uh, what, what's the other one? Um, oh, what's the one that, uh, um, um, oh, crap, I'm blanking on it. I'll come back to it. But, you know, the, the, that was, you know, that, that was, that was, you know, Jay, we, and we've been talking about this all the time. That was when for mainstream American culture, that we started seeing a lot of these inroads for the black culture at the time, right? And it was that was starting to become not only more widespread Arsenio but more Hall. popular. Was that? Yeah. Arsenio yeah. Hall. Yeah. 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 Arsenio Hall. And I mean, even think about like the success, you know, but a little before this of the crossover appeal of a guy like Eddie Murphy, right? I mean, Murphy did some oh, I mean oh. he did he did stuff that was mainstream, but then he did stuff that was you know, like Raw is one of the funniest Freaking oh, yeah. stand-up movies ever, well, but these, it, it, these it's guys pretty hard in places, right? <laughs> like Spike Lee and those guys were like the immediate like generation after Eddie Murphy. They were the immediate yes. like successors to that kind of kind of fame, you know. Yeah. So I, I think it was it was it was all part of that culture that was. I think we were all kind of those of us, you know, those of us who were not part of that necessarily that scene, right? Not part of that culture. We were all being exposed to it, and you know wh- whether whether you you dug it or not, it was it there. It obviously it clicked with a lot of people, yeah. you know, and that that became and that's how we get stuff like this, where we're able to make, you know, a film like Tales from the Hood, where it is leaning so heavily into that, uh, to that culture, and taking it and and turning it into a different genre and doing it really effectively because of the realities that we were all starting to understand about that culture. Right. Based on a a genre created by middle-aged Jewish guys in the like forties and fifties. I mean, really isn't pretty much every American comic genre though, created by middle-aged Jewish white guys, just the good ones. I mean, it's to, to this day, it amuses the living hell out of me when I know that Jack Kirby and Joe Simon created romance comics. I mean, that hey. to me is like the greatest bit of information. Yeah, right? yeah. That you, you know, the bills, man. I, no, but I mean, literally, not. I mean, created created it. Not just like, oh, we made the first one that was popular. It's like, no. Jack and Joe sat around and said, you know what? Why don't we make comics for girls? What are girls like? Romance and heartbreak. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> and and meanwhile, like. Jack Kirby is like this, like hard-boiled, you know, Nazi punching, you know, <laughs> curmudgeonly sw- Jew from curmudgeonly, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, sort of guy. And he's like, oh, let's do something for the girls. Yeah, the yeah. ladies that loved us, you know. <laughs> well, one thing, one thing I wanted to say because they this was brought up. Um, I just finished um, In Search of Darkness, uh, Part Three, the Volume Three. Um, they had talked about the roles for African-Americans in horror movies and for uh, trans and, uh, um, you know, the gay characters and stuff and how all these things started changing and stuff. And you look back at the 80s, they're talking about the 80s horror movies, which is not this, I know. But 
how things changed. And you couldn't just look at one movie and said, this is how it was because things were changing. And if you look at the way films portrayed, I mean, like, you know, we're part of the whole slasher thing and whatever. There's a bigger horror discussion going on there. When you looked at the horror in movies that were not horror movies, and you got into the 90s especially, and the horror that you saw, now I don't mean horror like a monster, but like, you know, a creature, but the horror that was shown on the screen in the movies we've talked about here, the, you know, in like, in Voice in the Hood and Menace of Society and like New Jack City and Belly. Like the horror of those movies was the violence, the 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 killing, the the stuff that is so truly horrific in that it was true. For them to take that same horror that exists and put traditional horror on it. Put put, you know, zombies. And, and uh, you know, and, and uh, a monster and, like, whatever. Put To put that there in this is why I think this movie, and I'm not saying it's, it's perfect, what I'm saying is it's so fucking good. And I, a lot of people have never seen it. Hopefully, this has inspired you, what we've talked about here, to spend the, what is it, 95 minutes, however long this movie is? Yeah, right? what, normal right. movie's time? Normal movie's time. Mm-hmm. Cynthia, it, Cynthia, it whips right it. by. Whips oh, yeah. right by. This movie flies by. You you will laugh at certain pieces, and you will cringe at more. And part of that is as long as you understood what was happening and the change in culture. I mean, we we literally saw. You couldn't make this movie. We said we couldn't make this movie now. It'd have to be kind of changed and whatever. It would be different. It would be a different way. Significantly. But it was so raw at the time. These things were so raw in this country. Yeah. And you needed people to say, look at this fucking shit. You, 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 if like, uh, did, did any of you guys watch any of Lovecraft country? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was, that was pretty, that got, that got into some pretty raw. Yep raw areas you know so you could still do it it would just be a different tone today than but we still there's there's still plenty of fodder to do and and like you guys were saying there were two other ones that sort of sound like they were not so good direct to video like someone bought got got the rights to the the name of it or something and scraped together 50 grand and put something together but yeah but i mean like if if they put it together with the the same you know level of talent and and production value that they did then that they could possibly be really good i i I like i like comparing it a little bit to like you know the spike lee as a producer compared to like jordan peele as a producer uh type of thing and Jordan Peele is sort of seems to be more of the way that like those issues are dealt with in film these days but like I think the Spike Lee approach which is with a sledgehammer is way more conducive for something like this you know for a movie like this for a EC tribute as a matter of fact I think it's a perfect fit you know so okay so real quick Tales from the Hood 2 and 3 this wasn't just somebody got a hold of it it's Cundiff and Scott. It's the two people who made the first one. Oh, okay. 
they directed them and they wrote them and they 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 don't they're not good movies i mean they're not like oh my god i've, I've seen so much worse please 1989 yeah. things the thing at a cow oh god not even a fucking movie but like i'm saying is they, they they're not you know, oh my god because they're gonna like because they don't live up to this one but they're not like the worst things you could ever watch they're just not they're not remakes. like all the silent night deadly night remakes those aren't remakes. Those are loosely based sequels. Right, right. You know, yeah, yeah. Just uh, Bill Mosley with his brain exposed based. with uh, a dome you know, on it. Of, of course, by contractual obligation, if we talk about a loosely based film, oh god, yeah. I, I I have to bring this up. This is the law in my state. Everyone remembers the film version of the Scarlet Letter with the credit that says liberally adapted from. <laughs> <laughs> well, they just being honest. I mean, it's they like they didn't even say loosely. They went no, even literally. further. The only one that to me even comes close to that is way back in the '40s. Um, Universal made uh, as part of their horror cycle. They did several Invisible Man movies, right? Yes. And by the end of it, the last one, the Invisible Man movie that they made back in the '40s was Invisible Agent, yes. where it became a World War II movie. And that was suggested by yes. Well, the invisible. Yeah. So suggested by an idea in the novelization of the film of the. <laughs> well, that's like all the. What's that's like? What do you call? Bernie Gordon would take whatever, and it says, you know, H.G. Wells, Fruit of the Gods. It's like, yes, I mean, that's technically, a book. yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. It says inspired by from the pages of H.G. Wells. Not really, but okay. Oh but no, there's words like the and and in the pages of H.G. Wells, and also <laughs> in Food of the Gods. So they were take and he specifically cut them out and pasted them in the script. Anyway, so folks, again, like we said, if you haven't seen this, um, it is. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it, this okay. So Tales from the Hood will at times become available to watch on Peacock. Um, I think it's Peacock, right? Is that where I watch? I remember it's streamed for a while and it goes down. Halloween time is a great time to, to be able to see it if you want it to free. Um, you can rent it on Amazon for like $3.99. The Blu-ray itself, give me one second, is the, um, I forgot what year it came out, but it's the Shout Factory. Uh, it's, 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 it's beautiful. Uh, their special edition. It, it will never look better than that. Um, and that's usually... Uh, so, I'm trying to do the year. Try, Sorry, guys. Trying to get the year on that when they came out. It must have come out recently. Because um, uh, it's, it's, it's got the slip case. It's got the whatever. Yeah, so it came out in, in 2017. But they it has a special reversible case. It has all the stuff. This collector's edition. It's great. Um, you get your hands on that, no problem. I mean, it's it's relatively available. If you've never seen this movie, you got to do yourself a favor and spend the time and watch it because it is so good and so poignant, and yet at this time still relevant oh, to yeah. some of the talking about. And I know you're saying is, but Jay, how can a movie from 1995? I'm telling you, it is. You you will see it. You're like, holy shit. Like it just yeah. still goes on. Um and that's that's the thing, right? It's like yes, you ask it, how can a movie from nineteen ninety five be relevant? And you say, watch the movie, and then you realize, you know, god damn it, it is still relevant. And that's the that's the awful part, right? Yes, is that it shouldn't yeah, yeah. be, yeah. 
but it is, and that's that's I, that's a whole other that's a whole other can of worms that I think. Spoilers: goes, you, know, you can watch movies from 1975 and 1985 yeah. <laughs> that are also like sadly yeah. still relevant. Yeah, what I'm just saying is, but a lot of people would think a horror movie from 1995. It's he goes, you know what? You know what the problem is, and I I, I didn't want to bring this up, but I, I until now, but this is important. When you say to people, Tales from the Hood, they're like, oh, man, you mean like Leprechaun in the Hood and Leprechaun in Space? And I'm like, no, nothing. Right. Those movies. No. Because the, the, they're this, not taking it seriously, you know? This, I, I would say, like, to the people who are like, oh, I'm afraid this movie is going to be like, I don't know, for a better, lack of a better term, like, you know, super really like black or like you know rap filled with mat- I-, I would be like if if you like creep show you would like this it's the same yes. te- it's the same it hits the same pitch you know and it and it doesn't it doesn't make you f- think like you, you know like you're it's it's not like boys in the hood where you're like oh i'm going inside like the you know the drug dealer world you sort of are but it's presented in the most cartoonish you know there there's no way that anybody can watch us and not like you know i not identify with the characters but you know identify the characters and be like okay i see where the story is going and it you know you don't have to have any kind of like real like affinity with you know black culture or music or rap music or anything to like this movie once it gets going it's just a, it's a straightforward ec comic you know it's not as it's actually a little more i think it, more like the comics whereas creep show was more did a lot of stylized things where it made it look like a comic frame and stuff yeah <clears throat> but this that was sort of like ma- uh, made it cinematic and was like a nod towards oh yes we're doing comic books this just plowed right ahead and what didn't be like hey guess what you know we're doing a you know no here it, it didn't do any like you know um direct nods to it being like ec comics or tributes to ec comics it just followed the format you know just straightforward and yeah it's it's fun to watch it's 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 actually sometimes it's a little more fun than reading some of the original ec comics (laughs) some of the i mean that you know the the thing is with i mean you know with with ec you had to put out 12 stories a month yeah so some of them are going to hit a little better than others Mm -hmm. but Yeah. yeah here it's I've never been disappointed with this movie. And I have to be honest, I was <clears throat> a little peek behind the curtain. You know, Hero, when you put that in the chat, you said, thank you for choosing this movie. I mean, every person that I've suggested this movie to has enjoyed it. And yeah. I'm just, I'm glad because I, this is one of those movies that to me, I always knew about, right? Because I was the right age to get the advertising for it and all that. But I think a lot of people, especially if they're younger than us, it just flew under the radar and it, it's not talked about. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad that we can cover it on the show as a horror rack hanger on and, and at least get you know get more of it out there in, into the uh, into the universe. Yeah. Nice. Well, well, worth your time, ladies and gentlemen. Go check it out. Um, I know we've talked about every like aspect of this thing, but 
if you're on the, I don't know, like, trust me. This is, like, if you think about this, we've talked about some movies of late. Like, you know, we've talked about some zombie movies that you never heard of before, and every one of them has hit. We talked about the original Candyman, the new Candyman. Like, we've been talking about movies here. We're not picking movies like we're saying, hey, let's watch something that we know we're going to hate. We're picking these movies. We're like, these are things you should be watching. You spend the yeah. time watching. If you haven't seen this since the 90s, watch it again. Like, it's worth your time. So, um, you know, hopefully, again, hopefully if you're listening um, this long into this, that you've been well, you know, I, I believe you guys. I'm with you. You know, thanks. Um, <laughs> all right. Twist my arm, Jay. I guess I will. Yes. <laughs> and if nothing else, if you've ever, ever wanted to see Clarence Williams III as a horror host. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> he's amazing in this. That's the He's so, like, he's completely bonkers. And He's yeah, halfway couple- between the father and Friday and Doc Brown. Yes, yes, yes. It's Doc Brown's hair. Ugh. He's got a little bit of that. That that that. Um, I'm the the name of the actor is eluding me right now. That plays Doc Brown. Oh, Christopher uh, Lloyd. He's got just a, he's just got a little bit of Christopher Lloyd in his voice too. Just a little bit of just a little. That crazed yep. and yeah. little gruffness to his voice. <laughs> well, well, next month we're going in a different direction. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's 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 it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say what it is, but I I think people will see the connective tissue and kind of understand why why we went this way, and I hope people yeah. uh, appreciate it. And. You know, that's, that's, we, we try, you know, I, I say it all the time. Who can't be topical? We try. So, Occasionally. But, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, I mean, you got to be careful because otherwise, you know, you're just going to end up just, uh, you know, knee deep in the shit. That's all. In the shit. In the shit. Don't worry. You'll get the oh, shit. Oh, you'll get the shit. Oh, you'll get the shit. Get all the shit. I, that was one of the things that Condiff and, 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 and Scott had said. Every time he says the shit, it's different than any other. He never says it the same way twice. They said it was amazing how how uh, he just kept bending the two words a little bit to be completely different. And you, as you're hearing it, you know they mean different things each time. Yeah. <laughs> the shit. Oh yes, the drugs. And it's like, <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> So. Actually, the other the other bit I do like that's really funny is when they're about to go in, and they're talking about how do you kill something that's already dead. Yeah. And the one guy says, you know, uh, how am I like supposed to kill beans? something that's already dead? That's like killing some shit twice, man. You know. <laughs> like refry beans. Why did you just fry it right the first time? Fry that shit right the first time and get out. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So good. Yeah. So, check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Well worth your time. Yes. And now I have to take a shit. <laughs> yeah. This is a story that gets deep. Situations everybody go through in life. You know, it's that inside part of you you don't tell nobody about. You know what I'm saying? From that inside, that dark space inside you. 
from that darker, that inner side of you. From the dark side. Visit our website at two truefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at two truefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.